0: Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit VineyardCleveland.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, I'm so excited to get to enter into Scripture with you guys today. And um Today is somewhat a freestanding Sunday, as next Sunday, Pastor Eben and the teaching team is going to begin a new series called Empty, and it's going to journey us through the Lenten season, and if this word Lent or Lenten season, it has some religious baggage or you just don't know what it means, you maybe know some things about it or don't, I just want to invite you to, and to join us as a community, to give it a go, to see what it feels like as a community. And again, as we saw on the slides, Lent season begins this Wednesday, as Ash Wednesday, and it's going to be just one hour long, and just really want to encourage you um, to come and begin to just put your eyes on Jesus like we were just worshiping this morning, Lord, that our eyes can just be on you. Um, And so it is an intentional way for us to set our eyes on Jesus as he journeys his way to this cross. And I believe in Lent we have some great opportunities to really see him in some fresh ways. Um, There was this little story known um, with this French priest named John Vaney that lived in the 18th century that he was this This priest, and he would observe this old peasant man that would sit in his church, in the back row of his church, who would spend spend his time there for many, many hours in the back. And one day, this priest, who was so intrigued, um, just decided to approach the man and find out what he was doing. He was thinking he was praying. He was just really interested in his devotion. And this peasant man just simply replied, I look at him, and he looks back at me. And that's what we're setting up to do over these next several weeks. That's why we've got the prayer um, and worship on Mondays, like all this good stuff that's happening. So just come be part of it. Um, We also have a formation retreat. Um, That is going to be I believe the weekend of February 21st. If that's something if you are interested in retreating away It's a Friday evening and a Saturday here locally It costs $25 and you can be part of that at the um, Lakewood Vineyard is sponsoring it So if that's something you're interested to feel free to come talk with me after service. I love to um, To share that information so this today is Transfiguration Sunday. Um, And what that means is there's people all over the world right now that is going to be reading the same scriptures that we're going to be reading today. And this word transfiguration, it's a big, grandiose word. Um, Some of us may know what it means. Some of us may feel pretty intimidated by this word. And so just to kind of Do a spoiler alert. I'm going to let you know what Transfiguration Sunday is, what this word means. We're going to kind of work backwards. And so transfiguration comes from this Greek word that gives us the word metamorphosis. And it means a complete change of form or appearance Um, In other words, an extreme transformation. And so today we are going to witness and enter into scriptures as we see this happen to Jesus. And so Jesus at the transfiguration, we are going to see how his appearance, his face, everything about him becomes radiant white. Even the clothes that he is wearing changes radiant white. And in this moment, Jesus is disclosing himself, who he is in this brief moment. Um, We can see the gospel right at this moment, that everything that touches Jesus is glorified and is made white. And it is what is in the inside of Jesus, all of who he is, comes rushing out in this moment And we see that he is above earthly kings because he's the king of kings. We see that he's above all creation as he's the creator of the universe. That there's no higher name than Jesus. And that in Jesus, there's no darkness. The only thing that can come out of Jesus is light because he is good. There's no evil. There's no darkness in Jesus. The only thing that comes forth is who Jesus is and he is God. Amen? Amen. So with this spoiler alert, um, what I'd love to do before we jump into Mark chapter 9 as our scripture is just to kind of give us a background of what is leading us up to this moment of Jesus's transfiguration. And so the beginning half of Mark, we see things like Jesus is baptized, Um, Just like Evan was talking about your next steps. This is really Jesus does it. So if Jesus does it, I want to do it, right? So Jesus is baptized, and the Father's voice says, You are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And then we see in the first half of Mark that the life of Jesus inaugurates the kingdom of God. So we begin to see Jesus calling his disciples. We see Jesus proclaiming good news and preaching. We see him healing. We see him feeding the thousands with a few fish and loaves. We see him casting out demons. And we see all this because Jesus brings the kingdom. So naturally, we see the kingdom breaking away here on earth as it is in heaven Because in Christ is packed all the goods of God. All the goodness of God is in Jesus. And so in all this goodness, the disciples who are with Jesus get to witness this stuff. They get to see Jesus do all these uh, miracles and, and, and all the goods of Christ coming forward. So they get to witness it. They get to be part of it. Jesus invites them to do the things with them. But even more, the icing on the cake is that the disciples get to live life with Jesus. They're walking with him day. They they are, are together. They're breaking bread. So they are getting to be with Jesus. So it's just an exciting time. And in the midst of all this happening, it crescendos right before the chapter we're going to read, right before that chapter in chapter 8, it crescendos into this moment of where Peter, one of Christ's disciples, announces that Jesus is the Messiah. And at first, this uh, announcement of, Jesus, of Peter's profession that Jesus is Christ, that he is the king, um, we're all celebrating. Like, we're thinking, yes, Peter gets it. He knows who Jesus is and what he's all about. I mean, after all, Peter is proclaiming that Jesus is the long awaited king of Israel. But this is one confession gone wrong. Um, Peter confessing Jesus being this guy, of being this king of what they were looking for, he was confessing his expectations of who he thought Jesus was, what this king was to look like. And for them in this time, they were looking for a king that was going to liberate Israel to become um, free from Roman rule and empire. And the way that they knew and understand this to happen was through the power of conquer and sword and death. And so when Peter was making this proclamation that Jesus is the king, his expectation was that Jesus was going to come in, guns a-blazing, and let's, let's conquer and get rid of the Romans and Israel is Israel. Well, in this confession, Jesus quickly reveals to his disciples that the way of Messiah is not the way of conquering through political power and might, but rather in the way and path of humility, suffering, and death. In fact, right after Peter's profession, Jesus begins to talk about his imminent death, and he warns his followers that they too, if they're going to follow him, They're going to also have to pick up their crosses and carry it. And this comes to complete surprise to the disciples. It comes complete surprise to Peter that here they were expecting victory over the Romans, not the death at the Romans' hands. So just imagine being Peter and confessing Jesus in this way of the one who's going to victoriously become king over Romans And Jesus' response is, nope, it's not going to be like what you've imagined at all. In fact, the people you think that are going to accept me, the religious leaders, the people that are high in leadership over Israel, they're going to reject me, they're going to betray me to my death. And Jesus knows that in giving his life from death on a cross, that by being lifted up, that he is going to draw all men to himself. And the way he shows this to the world is to be above all kings, as the king of kings, that the way of the cross establishes his kingdom forever and ever. How many of you, like, with expectations, like... um, I just think of, like, if you are thinking about um, and dreaming about a vacation or, like, a special celebration that you're, you're planning, like, you're dreaming about it and you have all these expectations, maybe you're thinking about it for a year. It's, like, all this stuff, you're working up to it, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the place, you're at your vacation spot, you're at the birthday celebration, and you feel like, this is it. This, is like, this, is, this isn't what I expected it to be. I don't know if any of that has ever happened to you. Um, well, this is kind of what Peter feels like in this moment. He is experiencing the ultimate disappointment of his expectations coming crashing down. So what does Peter do? He pulls Jesus outside of the crowd, pulls him to the side, and he begins rebuking him. Now, P- scriptures don't sa- tell us exactly what Peter um, is- says in this rebuke, but I can only imagine if I was Peter and I understood Jesus in this context, what might be some of the things I would say or what I think Peter would hear. And I think he would say something like this. Okay, Jesus, come here. Jesus, you're crazy. Don't you know who you are? I mean, we're not going to let that happen to you. And um, also, if you don't know who you are, I'm going to let you know you have saved um, people from, um, you know, you've been able to raise people from the dead. You've been able to help the blind to see again. Like, you have healed people. You've rescued them from horrible things. And don't you know that you can not only save us, but you can save yourself from the Romans? So just pausing a moment, this conversation of what Peter might be saying, what does it remind you of? Anything in particular? For me, when I think of what those voices may have been, it reminds me awful, much like temptation. And when Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil where Satan tempts Jesus, and these temptations are really cunning because it makes us it makes us seem as if Satan has something to offer to give to Christ, but we know that Satan had never had anything to give to the One who created everything. So we see Satan's attempt in this temptation to twist. The, tra- the divinity of Christ, the God life within Jesus Christ, the divine life of God within Jesus. And we see this through the temptations. Um, and you could even say it like this. Satan was having his own go at, in the temptations, and through Peter's voice, having a go at his own transfiguration of Christ. He started to tempt, if you are the son of God, Then you can turn the stone in bread, which was tempting the life of Jesus to become living bread for us. He said, if you are the son of God, let me show you all the world's kingdoms that can be yours. This is kind of what Peter was saying. And in other words, he was tempting Christ to exchange his father's kingdom, coming to earth as it is in heaven for worldly kingdoms and systems corrupted by sin and power. And then finally, he tempted Jesus. If you are really the son of God, then throw yourself off the mountain, for surely God will save you with all his angels. And finally, this temptation was Satan tempting Christ to walk away from it all, to not drink this cup, to not go up to to the mountain, but to save himself. So today we are going to see Jesus on the mountaintop as we're going to see Jesus begin his journey to the cup of suffering that he's willing to drink not just for one tribe one nation but he's willing to drink it to include the whole world and what's interesting to note here is that what peter was trying to do in private Jesus brings to the public that he, after being in this place where Peter corners him, he takes Peter out, and this is what he says to him. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. What's so beautiful about this rebuke, which we often think of rebuke as negative, but that it is Jesus telling us his mind, God's mind for us, that God's mind is not to exhort power through sword and politics, but in him humbly giving and laying down his life for all. And so we see Jesus again explaining to Peter's and others, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross, and whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Peter had set expectations on a limited perceived ideology of what he thought it meant for Jesus to be Jesus, for Jesus to be God. And I think often we do this ourselves. We have our whole life mapped out, how situations are to self-resolved, and we imagine God for, do it, for God to do it in a certain way, and when it doesn't go our way, we feel disheartened, we feel discouraged. And I think that sometimes our expectations and reasoning all too often becomes our God instead of faith our faith, enthroning Jesus to be the only welcome Lord of our life. So I want to invite us this morning to dethrone our expectations a bit, to dethrone our understanding a bit, to get off of our our high horses of knowledge and just enter into this time of just looking at Jesus in these scriptures. It is a little different than um, normal where we have a scripture and we will share it and then give some explanation. But what I felt so clearly this week was that the Lord wanted us to enter the scene of the transfiguration with mystery and awe and amazement and wonderment of his scripture because he wants to meet us here that we can see him and that we can hear him and listen to him. So what I'm going to do is just invite, um, what we're going to do is like an imaginative, guided way of entering into these scriptures. Instead of me trying to go verse by verse explaining them, we're going to create some space where you can enter the scene of this transfiguration unfolding and what the Lord wants to speak to you. So just to to start our time, I'm going to read through the verses, and then what we will do is we will close our eyes and ponder and use our imagination and invite Jesus to show us and for him to speak to us in this way. And after six days... Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain privately by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant and dazzling, intensely white, as no launderer on earth could bleach them. And then there appeared to them Elijah along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter then said to Jesus, Rabbi, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter said this because he didn't know what to say, for he, along with the other disciples, were filled with much fear. And a cloud overshadowed covered and enveloped them, and a voice came out from the cloud, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. So would you close your eyes with me this morning? I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate his words in our heart. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you that, that you are inviting and in drawing us in to enter these scriptures with you this morning. As you have something to speak to us, you have something to show us. Lord, I just ask that you help adapt our eyes to the sight of Jesus. Holy Spirit, that you will adapt our ears to hear Jesus. We ask all this as we enter into this holy reading. Come, Holy Spirit. So while keeping your eyes closed. Or if you have struggles with imagination, I do have a picture of an artist, a modern-day artist, that you can look at. But if you are able to keep your eyes closed, we just invite you to enter into today's scripture. Find yourself on this scene, not as an observer, but as one that is with the disciples and journeying this with Jesus. And after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain privately by themselves. Most scholars believe that this was The habit of Jesus to go and pray. And so this typically happened in the mornings or in the evening hours. So can you imagine yourself being invited by Jesus to come up the mountain to be with him? What does it feel like to be invited with Jesus to go up on this mountain with him? For Peter, what do you think he felt, especially after this failed confession of thinking that he knew Jesus? Do you feel the kindness of Jesus inviting him? That even though he didn't understand it all, Jesus didn't discard him, but Jesus picks the ones that don't know it all, and he invites them to go up. Do you feel the kindness of Jesus inviting you this morning? And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain privately by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His appearance changed dramatically. His face shone like the sun, brighter than bright, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, dazzling, glistening white, whiter than any bleach could have ever made them, more so than any launderer in the world could bleach them. What's the first thing that you notice? Is it Jesus' face becoming radiant as the sun? Can you imagine the brightness brighter than the sun? How do you react in this brightness? When looking at this brightness, brighter than the sun, do you want to retreat because he's too bright? Would you, instead of retreating, keep gazing at him, keep looking at him? Because when you look at Jesus, he is looking right back at you in his glorious and loving gaze. What is he saying as he looks back at you? Do you notice that everything that Jesus touches, even the clothes he wears, becomes brilliant white? When confessing Jesus as Lord, We are partakers of the body of Christ, which means that we are purified and made white by him. In 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. And the reason why the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and we will be like him. Even though it has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And so we, all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed into his likeness from one degree to glory to another. We are invited to be changed in his likeness, minute by minute, day by day, glory by glory. What is he putting his finger on you that is being changed into his likeness? And he was transfigured before them. His appearance changed dramatically. His face shone like the sun, brighter than bright, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, dazzling, whiter than any bleach or launderer could make them. And then there appeared to them Elijah, along with Moses, and they were talking to Jesus. And Peter then said to Jesus, Rabbi, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter said this because he didn't know what to say, for he along with James and John were terrified with much fear. What do you think about Peter's courage to speak again? about Peter's longing to worship Jesus and to honor him. What do you want to do in this moment? What feelings of fear or uncertainty are you experiencing in this moment? And then a cloud overshadowed, covered and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud, "This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him." Imagine now a cloud appearing and engulfing you, and you being en- being enveloped in this presence. That Peter had wanted to make a tent, now the Holy Spirit encamps and becomes a tent around you in this moment, right here, right now. The Holy Spirit is with us now. And from this place of the Holy Spirit enwrapping us, the voice of the Father, clear as day, breaks through, this is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. What is Jesus saying to you? And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw any one with them but Jesus only. Would you just gaze right now at Jesus? Look at Jesus, because when you look at Jesus, he looks at you. When you behold him, he beholds you. We become what we behold. We behold what we become.